Welcome to the continued podcast adventures of Superhero Speak. But I think many of the people that love this character and that love superheroes in general have used these stories as inspiration to say, you know what, I'm going to do something good in the world. I'm going to make a difference like my hero when I was a kid. That is my fondest memory of it because when, you, when you're doing comic books, you want them to affect people. Right. You want people to care. You want, you want to strike emotions. And I knew that that clone saga was striking a lot of emotions. Can you yep. imagine uh, Pulp Fiction starring Goofy and uh, Mickey Mouse? I can totally <laughs> imagine that. You I'm sure somebody's written that one. Pounder with cheese in France, Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Boy, ale with cheese, Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> I can totally see. I, I, would, I would watch the hell out of that movie. Yes, I gladly saw, sacrifice that my. my progeny to you of a mighty marvel beast <laughs> <laughs> but neil adams is somewhere going mm, it's, it's my time uh, <laughs> how do you measure success hello and welcome to a bonus episode of superhero speak i am your host dave and if you listen to the regular show you knew this was coming so as you know i was just at new york comic-con and while at new york comic-con i got invited to several press rooms a press room is when a company is promoting a project they invite a bunch of press to come to the room to talk to the talent who created said project we sit at a table ask questions round robin style to the talent one at a time and uh it's a lot of fun you get to learn a lot about the thing that they're promoting this one was by warner brothers for Batman and Superman, Battle of the Super Sons, currently available on digital and Blu-ray wherever uh, you purchase your media. So uh, the first up, we got to talk to Rick Morales. He is the supervising producer. He gave us insight to how the project got uh, started and uh, what the overall message of the sh uh, movie was that they were trying to create. So take it away, Rick. Well, we haven't started yet. <laughs> I'll see. So I think maybe I can get things started if you'd like and you're ready to go. Yeah. Um, so in terms of DC versus Marvel and kind of what each um, company kind of does with their characters, Marvel kind of creates characters that we are now, like people we are now with superpowers, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas DC is kind of more icon icons and people we aspire to be. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of like more aspirational characters in, in, in some ways, right? Yeah, um, so do you, do you think that, like, what are some of the specific ways in which um, this movie kind of supports DC's approach to characters, if that makes sense? Well, so, like, I don't, you know, when I pitch this movie and when I think about making these things, I I can't say that I really consider that as like a thing. It's like whatever the whatever the project is that I'm working on, I'm trying to find the angle that's most appropriate for that. Right, right, right. But for this one in particular, what I wanted to do was create something that was, you know, like a family friendly film that you don't really see uh, too much anymore. You know, like an Amblin type of thing, something that Spielberg might have made back in the day. Or really, and we and we reference this is, um, you know, the Richard Donner Superman. So, uh, in, in my head, this sits with those, you know, so that was my approach for this. Along those lines, mentioning Donner Superman, when you're concentrating on Jonathan and uh, Damien as to, as to Bruce and Clark, how do you approach the characters that way? People aren't going to be as familiar with those versions of the characters. <laughs> well, so, okay, so for me, like, I, I love the character of Superman, and I when I first conceived this idea, obviously I'd, I'd read the comic books and was like, this is great. Like, this is a great approach. I thought when they, when it first started to uh, a way to approach Superman, like what's Superman as a dad, you know? Um, but then in thinking about that, it, it became clear, pretty clear to me early on that like, you know what? It's really about Jonathan. This, this movie in particular is really about Jonathan. Um, and then the Super Sun comics came out, and you're like, yeah, of course, that, that's what it is. That's really what it is. Um, so, you know, for me, it was like trying to find an in to Superman, to, 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 to do a take on Superman that maybe hadn't been seen before. Um, but that was something that I felt was more classic, like Christopher Reeve you know, type, of, type of vibe to it. Um, but then once you start working on Jonathan and, and, and Damien, you know, I really just wanted to make something that... Um, 
you know, I've got I've got a son. This for me, I wanted to make a movie for him. He's young at this point, but something that that he could watch and hopefully react to in the way that I reacted to Superman when I was a kid and watched, you know, the Don film. So that was kind of my take. I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> no, you did. That's good. When it comes to the personification of the Donner Superman, what do you feel is like the lasting legacy of that interpretation of the character? The, uh, well, so to me, it's like, I I don't know. I think it's it's a very classic interpretation of Superman. He's, you know, he, he kind of, he does the right thing. He's, he's, he's good. You know, it's, it's all the reasons that you've heard it time and time again from people like, ah, oh, you can't do Superman. He's too perfect or whatever. It's like, that's not true. There's, there's room in this world for, to approach characters in that way and make them interesting. And I thought, you know, having the angle of him as, as a father um, and then also, you know, having to impart his wisdom onto a younger generation might be a, you know, a cool avenue to, to take him down. And, um, you know, to me, it's like even in this in, in this story, you see he's a good father, but, you know, he's got responsibilities and he, he, maybe he's not there all the time. So he's not perfect. You know, he's he. Uh, but as far as you know, the interpreter, what, what he embodies to me, like, I mean, we even said it in this film and I think it, it might be the last time you ever hear it in any media, but he says truth, justice in the American way. And that's the Superman that I was going for. Um, so the dynamic between Superman and Batman, like their chemistry had to grow. Yeah. But with Jonathan and Ken, there's, they're, they're early on, so they're able to actually establish a friendship. How yeah. did you bring that to light in the movie from the comics to bring it to life? Well, I mean, so I think, you know, anyone that's really familiar with the Super, Super Sons comic book will recognize pretty early on that we've basically taken that in spirit and kind of done our own approach to it. Um, there were a lot of factors that went into that because, you know, obviously when it was introduced, like, I think that version of, of Superman and Lois were from an alternate reality. They came into the New 52 and there was all this stuff that was like, it's too convoluted. You can't have that in the beginning of the story. <clears throat> but the interesting thing about it was like, well, I can just tell you straight off. When Damien was introduced in the comics as a character, as the new Robin uh, in the Morrison run, I didn't really like him, to be quite honest, you know? I, I didn't like Damien. I was like, I, this little shit, like, I, I don't know. He, he, you know what, to me, like, Tim Drake is the perfect Robin, and and uh, Damien was, he's just too, like, he's too bratty, he's too, he, but when you start working on him in this film, he's got such a great dynamic with Jonathan that he's just, he's perfect. And uh, to me, he's perfect. He's, he's a perfect character for this because it's like, he's snide. He's, you know, he pushes Jonathan and you know, the whole thing is about like, um, and you, you see it, we've got the little bully interaction in, in this film with, with Jonathan at school and, and the principal's telling him like, look, you know, there's, there's something in him. And if you're patient enough and it, Really, that's the story for for Damien. How how he can approach Damien because you know Damien's throwing the battering at his head or pushing him off the cliff or you know whatever. Like he's just Damien's a little shit, and uh, and and I love it and I think it's a great dynamic for these two. You know. So. Do you think Damien, or do you think he was the missing piece of the puzzle before Damien? Well, I mean, I I think so. Like I mean, you know, it. The the cool thing about this movie is like. I really like the idea of showing just two friends. You know, I think it's it's important. Um, it's important for for kids, for little boys, to have friends and develop like bonds like that. And so, being able to do something that was like that, like I said, I was making a, a movie for my son, really. And the cool thing about this this film in particular too is like <laughs> Troy, uh, who plays uh, Batman, is you know he has a young kid and. Uh, Travis and Laura, they have young kids. So everybody that was like ended up working on this thing either had like a, a newly born child or like just had young kids in their life that they could, you know. So I, I feel like it all kind of made it a little more personal to us. When you pitched the idea, did you pitch it as a 3D animated? Was it was that kind of one of the original ideas? Or well, I, I got to say, this is one of the weirdest like pitching things that I've ever experienced in my entire career in animation because. Jeremy and I started, I had this thought 
a long time ago, like, I don't know, five years ago or something like that. I was working on the Lego stuff. And, uh, and I'm like, I want to do Super Sons and I want to do it CG. And that's kind of what I had. And then I told Jeremy, because I often, you know, we talk, we work on all that stuff together. And then we started just sharing ideas. So we were working on the Mortal Kombat stuff, but we were talking a lot about Super Sons. Not to pitch it, because I, I didn't think it was ready for that. And also, I knew at the time, there were other Superman pitches that were happening at, happening at Warner Brothers. And some of them were being done by friends of mine. So I didn't want to, like, step on anybody right. um, where that was concerned. <laughs> so then it, 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 it came up. Um, so the executives brought uh, a a story to me, um, a script that, you know, they were like, do you have any interest in doing this? And, and, uh, I was kind of like, no, and, but it had to do with like team heroes and stuff like that. I won't say much about it, but, but it literally was like, I don't think we should do this. I think we should do this. And they were like, okay. And that was it. <laughs> and then we were off to the, I think we, I think we were just fortunate to have like a small window to be able to get in and, and do this in, in that time. And that was really all it took. And then we went, went for it. Yeah. You're going to play Rick. Yes, I am. Amazingly. Be quiet, Rick. He's going to contradict everything. Thank you. Thank you. All right, thanks for that, Rick. Up next, we've got Jeremy Adams. He is the screenwriter. And of course, you know, he is the creative mind behind the whole thing. So let's hear what Jeremy had to say about Batman and Superman Battle of the Super Sons. All right, I'm here. <clears throat> I ran out of time last time. So let's do this. <laughs> Are we all recording? Yes. Yes. You're DJing. I, I don't know what's happening. Uh, I'm Jeremy Adams, the writer of. Batman and Superman, Battle of the Super Sons. <laughs> All right, who's first? I was first last time. So one of you guys. All right. All right. Um, so question I didn't get to ask yeah. your partner. Yes. Um, so this is a this is a, a obviously a story about um, Damien and uh, Jonathan. But there's also the, the Clark and Superman aspect to it. Yeah. Um, he said, as a father, he wanted to write this for his son. Yeah. Um, as a father myself, I know there's a vulnerability of being a father. Yeah. Um, is that something that's reflected in this movie? Like, because people always talk about Superman's perfect and he can't be hurt, but yeah. that's a way that you get to Superman. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, I'm a father myself, so I have two kids, and uh, even in my flash run, I find myself gravitating toward the fatherhood aspect of writing these characters that are invulnerable, but there are these people that provide weakness. Not weakness, but you know what I mean? It's right. like, I'm terrified if something happened to my kids. And I think, also, there's the dynamic of, these guys were fighting, you know, like Batman, a lone crusade against evil, and then it's like, he has a son now, and and there's this, like, these kids are walking into giant boots. You know? And there's a certain mentorship, and there's a certain amount of of like they have to be better than them than they were before, which is already hard enough, right? And for Jonathan in particular, what's interesting is they've kind of hidden this from him uh, in the movie for a long time. Um, and I just remember, like, I grew up with a single mother, and uh, you know, I'm kind of estranged from my father. Even when I was writing with it, it was like uh, the elation you would feel if you found out your dad was Superman. You know, it's like everything else that happened before. You're like, oh, it makes sense now. You know. <laughs> Um, so I don't know. It, there's so many relational dynamics between the two characters and their parents. And I think that's one of the interesting aspects of the super sense in particular, because, uh, those are two, arguably the, the biggest heroes of the DC universe. And now you've, uh, you've, you've also done something radical within the DC universe. You've pushed them forward in time because now they actually have kids. Now they actually have more responsibilities. Now that puts them in a different age bracket. And they're looking at, at their progeny and what their their legacy, in a way. Uh, more, more than, I'm not saying more than like Dick Grayson or Jason or Tim or Stephanie. How many more? Are there? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know if I answered your question. So, I'm sorry. Uh, so, as far as like writing, like I would say DC animated films are top notch. That, that, I it's, would too. You're right. Every, you know, every aspect. In fact, they should hire the people that write those for like all the live action movies. Yes, I, I, listen. Let's, let's get that campaign going. So, like the action scenes, yeah. of course, 
these kids, like you said, are taking forth, like, they have to fulfill these huge foods yeah. and so forth. The kids, the next generation superheroes that's being highlighted versus, you know, the traditional Justice League. When you're writing scenes, like action scenes, how do you kind of correlate that with you have to work with the animators and such? Like, how does, so, Rick, I might have told you this, but I have a, a, a terrible tendency to overwrite action scenes uh, because, uh, as I mentioned, I have two speeds, like, teeny bopper romance and like 80s action movies and like it's pretty much ongoing so i'll sit down and then i'll get really aggressively detailed about the action scenes the way i look at it is sometimes they use them in detail and sometimes they don't my job really is to build a blueprint for the people that are animators and storyboard artists and if i can provide them a springboard to go oh i like that idea then i've done my job if, if they say oh i don't like that idea i've still done my job <laughs> I, I put some uh, but i enjoy writing action i know people that don't but it's it's like the best thing ever i would do I, like john wick action stuff all the time yeah. and within the context of the characters you have damien who's a trained assassin when you have john who's like i barely can keep it together you know so it's it, it, i love it but uh rick appreciates it because it also pads out the script so you, you can actually see how what the runtime is going to be so we've done i think rick and i've done almost like 11 movies so far and i've done three more combat movies one uh that just came out and so obviously i'm i'm like yeah let's do more more fighting you know rick mentioned that he did not like damien do you have a softer spot for damien like as his own he character? doesn't like damien is that what he's yeah 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 he i love damien I like. I think Damien, what he's like in context of what he's been able to overcome. Yeah. Like he's raised to be an assassin. He's part of you know uh, this league of assassins, and his dad's you know Razal Ghul, and and it's like so you're pushing away everything you've known in order to do something more noble, even though he's a complete jerk. Yeah. But that's like, I mean, I don't know, like all the stuff I've inherited is, you know, the terrible stuff. Yeah. You just can't, you know, and the fact that he's overcome it, like the fact that he doesn't kill the two Titans, you know what I mean? Or, or it's like, that's amazing. Good for you. Like, like that's a you've overcome. And I, I, I think of it more like, you know, if you've been like ever been in an AA meeting or any of like recovery, it's like the fact that they're not drinking in a day is like, that's an amazing thing. So like for him, it's like. The fact that you're not killing everyone is like a huge accomplishment. Yeah. I guess strength of character. Yeah, and I think that Jonathan sees that. I think, like, I've had friends of mine growing up that were considered, you know, stoner metalheads or whatever, and everybody hated them. And I was like, these guys are rad, you know. And the minute you you extend that hand of friendship, suddenly those are the guys that have your back. Those are the guys that are willing to like, you know, tear somebody apart on your behalf. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, on the more technical side of writing, do you have a, like a, a technique to uh, cut around the scenes uh, given you've got a limited amount of time? Yeah, I mean, I've been doing this enough now that, like, you know, in final draft, I will. Uh, I really, I, I somebody had made this phrase to me. It's like it's all about entrances and exits, and so you know, even in comic books, it's about what is that turn of the page or when they used to have commercials, it was always like, Oh, I got to wait through this commercial. Nobody knows what commercial, but I got to wait through this commercials to come back and watch it. It's this kind of cliffhanger moments. And so when I write, I generally think about how can I get somebody excited to watch the next scene? Like, uh Oh, I heard Gary's dulcet tones. He's like a shark from Jaws. He's like, so, um, the technical side, that's how I think. I think about everything like exits and entrances and also about in terms of scene work, what's just going to be exciting. I'm not the, oh, let's just sit down and talk. I'm like, let's, let's go. And somebody needs to get hit. You know, somebody needs to move. I, I want it to be exciting. Oh yeah, I'm done. I didn't say nothing. <laughs> Oh, he's blocking. But he hasn't told me to get up yet. Okay, I gotta go. Ah, thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for that, Jeremy. Next up, we have Jack Griffo, the voice of Damian Wayne. And he tells us what it's like to play the biggest jerk of the DC Universe. And, uh, yeah, so it was a lot of fun talking with him. Take it away, Jack. <laughs> good, good. Having fun, having fun. That's what it's about. That lens is so blue. Maybe it's reflecting off of this. 
Plain as Damien being the so called jerk of being yeah. Yeah. badass. Like, I don't know how your personality is, but how did you tap into that kind of balance because you still want to have a friendship with Jonathan? Sure. How was that balance? Well, I'm accustomed to playing uh, the villain. Um, you know, so it wasn't my first rodeo uh, of sort of a character that has a dark past, but has a good heart as well. Um, but it was really, really fun getting into the voice. You know, I, I sort of obviously took from Batman um, and got into this kind of teenage angsty, doesn't give a shit kind of uh, attitude, you know, but um, he definitely loves his dad, even though um, he comes from uh, very dark means, raised by Talia al Ghul, obviously, and, um, but I love that he wants to take the mantle of Robin, even though he has this different, different past, and wants to support his dad, you know, and um, yeah, it was a really, really fun character to play. So when you prepare for a role like this, do you immerse yourself in the comics just to kind of like familiarize yourself with the character or do you kind of take the script on its own merits? Yeah, so I definitely started with the script. Um, read, Read the script a couple of times, started with the voice, and then I started went into the origins of like where he he grew up how he grew up you know i thought maybe he was you know i didn't really know i I thought maybe he was raised by bruce wayne but but he obviously wasn't um and i read a couple of the comics uh online and um sort of um sort of tried to get a a handle of, of this kid and what I what I found was was different from from what I kind of thought going yeah. going into it, um, but it was it was really cool and he's definitely a cool character to play, but uh, and, and a little bit of pressure for sure. Like it's a really big iconic character and I wanted to do a, a good job and uh, at least have a pretty good handle of his origins and, and how he came to be um, and a little bit about some story arcs going into it. I kind of read online mostly about yeah, some story yeah. arcs and stuff. So. Yeah. 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 So, so Damien was a character who was created for a single story and was actually meant to die and never come back. The fans loved him, so he was brought back. Um, have you met any fans yet? How have been their uh, reactions to you playing Damien? Not yet. Not yet. I, I think maybe once the film uh, is released, um, we, maybe I will. Maybe today when we go into the to the big panel and uh, and watch watch the film, but uh, I'm really excited to kind of carry the torch for a second. You know, it's uh, it's it's an honor and a big uh, responsibility, but. I'm really happy with uh, with my performance, and I, I think it works really well. And uh, yeah, because there's nothing worse than when you see it and you're like, oh, like you know, I don't know. But it's uh, from the first because I had two sessions for the movie, right. and the first one you're kind of going in and like guessing a little bit at it, you know, because you don't really like see the animation with the voice. But the second time I went in, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is this totally is working. Like, it looks great. It sounds great. And then you have the confidence. You know what I mean? And then the second session, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, I got this, you know. Um, And it really does look amazing. And I'm really happy with the finished product. Yeah. So me and Jack just met today, actually, yeah. So we recorded completely separately, but it was interesting because we had great chemistry, even though we weren't in the room together. I could just tell that we were going to be able to play really well together. Um, so yeah, it was just me. And like I said, the second session, I got to kind of see it come together a little bit more and uh, see the way that our lines were playing off of each other um, and yeah it's going to be it's going to be awesome I'm really excited to see that you kind of way to, to imagine yourself just working and uh, trying to figure out what the other people are saying or without even seeing the, the other people that are yeah it's kind of a like I said kind of a guessing game um, but uh, the second session you do get to see it a little bit more more together um, so today's going to be awesome i haven't seen the film yet they did send me a cut but i wanted to kind of wait uh i figured we might be able to go to comic-con and here we are so uh 
today is going to be my first time seeing it. So, yeah. So, what in the script uh, appealed to you to play the character? I think the first scene is definitely a grabber. You know what I mean? They're in the Batcave. He's meeting Jonathan for the first time. He's kind of like, giving him shit, you know. He's because um, in the beginning, Jonathan, you know, doesn't have any powers, and uh, he, you know, Dave, Damien's kind of joshing on him a little bit, and uh, seeing that dynamic in the beginning is particularly grabbing, uh, I think. But um, the whole script is fantastic, and it's a lot of fun. It's hilarious, and it looks amazing, and I know. Uh, kids and adults are, are, are going to love it. Yeah, my little uh, seven-year-old nephew is actually coming in today, and uh, it'll be really cool. He's never really seen me do what I do, right. so I think this will be a really cool first thing for him to like be a part of and come see what his... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's going to love it, so I'm excited, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned that haven't gotten to see the movie at all, but from your previous roles that you've had, because even myself, when I see myself on camera, I'm like, I'm critiquing everything. Do you get in those moments when you like critique everything from your past roles and you're like, okay, next time I want to do this differently? That's a good question. You know, I, I like to start pretty much with a blank slate. Um, obviously, just as in life as humans, you know, we take lessons from every experience, you know. And I think there is definitely a little bit of, okay, that maybe that didn't work so well on the last project or that did work well on the last project. And kind of, yeah, you take the experiences with you, you know, and that's kind of how you build a career. And what I've found is that, uh, you know, work begets work and everything compounds on top of each other and um, this was definitely the, the biggest uh, voiceover job that, I, that I've done and I've kind of been dabbling in it the past couple years and uh, I was just saying a second ago that it's so liberating to do voiceover because as an actor when you're in front of the camera even if you're like in character and you're like in it there's still a little bit in the back of your head of like how do I look right now you know and like being in the booth in the recording studio it's like you're completely liberated by okay like it's not my face. It's not me. It's just the voice. And so I can really, um, I, I've found that um, I, I just love it, you know. So I would love, love, love to be able to continue to play Dave with it. So, yeah. And maybe some other voice on stuff. Yeah. So as a voice actor, how do you measure success? I think just the performance, you know, how, how, it, how it comes out, how it matches to the animation. You know, like I said, I haven't done much animation, but this uh, movie I'm really proud of you know see going to the second session seeing my voice and the, and the animation come together I was like I was like giddy honestly it was like a, you know I felt like a little kid you know I was like wow like you know it's such an iconic character and, and I was like that that's me you know like I'm hearing my voice you know seeing it and uh, yeah I think I think just the, the finished product and how it all works together I measure it yeah so yeah I think we're I think we're done alright nice to meet you guys thank you so much Thanks for that, Jack. Next up, we have Matt Peters, director of Batman and Superman, Battle of the Super Sons. So Matt gives us some insight on what it's like directing animation, plus uh, what it's like doing a movie about Batman and Superman that really stars their sons, not Batman and Superman themselves. So on that note, take it away, Matt. Can we start with you? Sure. <laughs> um, all right, so now we're, you're taking a movie where you're taking Damien and Jonathan Kent, uh, not Bruce and Clark, right? and you're presenting, the, presenting it to a new audience. Um, what was your approach uh, to make sure that audiences are going to accept these versions of the characters? I think mostly it was, um, I know for me, when I got the script from Jeremy, I was, I was already in love with Superman, and I was already in love with the script. So, um, basically, that's my starting point, was to start from Superman and Batman and what we know of those two characters, and then discover what Jonathan and Damien had within themselves. So, we actually got to 
grow with those characters while we're making the movie. So we got to see Jonathan go through, you know, childhood or not childhood, but, you know, teenage awkwardness, right. but then develop into superhero powers. And then you had Damien, who's in a world of superheroes. His dad is Batman. He already knows that. He's raised by Rachel Gould. And then him start to make a friendship. So we get to see him kind of entering into normal life. So it's kind of each of them have like a reverse trajectory. And I think that interface of seeing the two of them, both those lives come together with our movie was like kind of what made it really interesting to see the, uh, I guess, where the sparks would happen, where the pops would, would occur. It's watching the, that crossover between those characters. Yeah. So directing like I mentioned earlier, uh, the animation I love is different, yeah. especially what we normally see from DC animated films. What inspired like the tone to have it animated that way, and also how do you direct in a way that something be cartoony and can still give something serious at the same time? Yeah, that was definitely. Rick's uh, passion, I think. He really wanted to bring a, a CG, 2D kind of vibe to this movie. And uh, it was something that I was in, super excited to work on. And we worked before he and I on Lego movies doing CG. So we knew some of the ins and outs technically of how to do CG. But what's different about this movie was the whole rendering, the fact that how it was going to look. And that was where we really focused our energies. We focused on design to make sure that those designs were really strong, that they would you know, come off looking like the comic book and looking like the cartoon that we wanted it to be. And really, Rick just did an amazing job with our designers. He focused on that. For me, I was focusing on just making sure the story was told, you know, accurately and, and uh, emotionally. And then uh, and sometimes we would have to kind of look at things and make sure that things did not technically, you know, get too out of hand. But generally speaking, design is where we focus a lot of that energy because that's the last thing you guys see is... You don't see all the mechanics of like layout and storyboards and things. You see those final designs. So that's where we focused. <laughs> sure. In the uh, source material, the comics, they ended up having the characters aged up. So we really don't get to see a relationship between Damien and John. However, you know, with this, we're able to see a bit more of a relationship. Would we be seeing more super, uh, the, the super uh, powers books, or super kids? Super kids. More super, so super children, shall we say? <laughs> I certainly hope so. I had a ball working on this movie. Uh, I really like fell in love with these characters. Um, I love Damien and Jonathan. I love seeing them together as a team. And so, um, you know, it's something that I would immediately like hop on another Super Sons if they if we were going to plan one, if we wanted to make one, it would be no hesitation at all. You'd see me on it. So, um, only time will tell if people respond really well to this movie. Hopefully, it'll be something that the executives start pushing for some kind of sequel or some kind of continuation. <laughs> What is uh, directing an animated movie versus a live action? What's what are some of the major differences that people maybe don't understand when you like when you approach a project like this? Well, I, I haven't directed live action myself, yeah. But it's like uh, what I do know of it is that it's um, with animation we're able to really plan things a lot, lot more. We can really storyboard it out, like really finesse it. And uh, you'd be amazed at actually the kind of things that we could change. Even when the movie comes back, there's like aspects that we could really kind of adapt and, and move around because it's really just, you know, uh, an image in the computer that we can manipulate. Um, but I would say probably for us, it's like we're, we're kind of spoiled by that. I don't know how much live action gets that opportunity because I think that and nowadays with uh, After Effects and CGI and things, they could probably do that. But uh, I, I unfortunately don't, wouldn't know. <laughs> That uh, animated movies are quite uh, short, they're limited to one hour, ten minutes or twenty. Are you uh, fighting in some ways to get the uh, movies to be longer, or do you just play with the with the length of the two? Uh, they, they pretty much tell us uh, that we have a window of time that we can aim for, and then there's also just a window of time of how much the budget will allow us to make the movie. So uh, that's pretty much told beforehand. So um, what we end up doing, because almost always when we put these things together, it's a whole lot longer than it needs to be, and so we have to whittle it down. And I'll tell you honestly, nobody wants to do that. You'll sit there and look at it, and you're like, no, no, we worked so hard. We made this just the way we want it. We don't want to touch anything. And then we cry, and we wipe our tears away, and then we realize we have to and then when we do that we find actually that the movie ends up becoming a little stronger because you're getting much more to the point you're getting much more direct 
and you end up kind of cutting away the dead weight and sometimes refining your story into something a little more tighter. So um, if I had the opportunity, I'd probably make a three-hour movie. They'll never let me, and it's probably for the best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Are there any uh, technical uh, challenges uh, when you are uh, going to uh, CG compared to traditional animations uh, in terms of new frames or angles you can There's a lot of strange things that you wouldn't consider. With CG, it's it's um, it's always having to render in a computer, so sometimes you have to limit how much stuff you can put in it. So if you had like a character with uh, in autumn or something, and there's leaves falling down, you'd have to CG animate each of those leaves, and that would be a rendering. So that sometimes ends up being something you know don't approach that and um, on the other hand with 2D you can draw whatever you want but then with 2D you, your camera is kind of locked in space because you can't really move it as much outside of a pan where in CG you can actually have the camera like you know pan up and go through things which is super uh, you know exciting to work with so I myself like working in CG but I also love 2D for the beauty that that brings too so would you say you have a preference between the two? I'd have to say probably CG if only because I feel like we get a little bit more control. Um, but that's also because I don't have the kind of experience that some people I know have with 2D. And there are people who know how to operate 2D so well, they're just masters at it, that I still need to learn that craft. Right. <laughs> I hope to. That'll be the next thing, I think. <laughs> As a director uh, of this project, um, what do you hope people take away from the movie besides being entertained? Uh Overall, I'd have to say that, um, you know, this world is, feels like a lot of people are becoming a lot more divisive and a lot more separated. And um, I really I really hope that, that this movie inspires the idea of um, trying to understand each other, trying to work together as a team despite differences. I think that that was something that Jonathan really did. And I think it's something that I hope people will kind of get away from, the idea that maybe the person on the opposite side from you might be very different from you. But if you spend a little bit of time with them as a person, you might discover the real person underneath and you end up gaining a friend in the process. So I hope it's not too corny, but I honestly hope that would be something people would get. Do you watch any anime shows or animation movies inspirations from me? Jeez, gosh. Uh, my whole childhood. I think it was like I, I, I grew up watching uh, Thundercats on TV. The opening credits still get me excited when I watch that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I also grew up watching the Super Friends, the Hanna-Barbera show, um, so that was great. I actually met some of the people by working in the industry who worked on that, which was fantastic. Um, uh, it's interesting, is like it's not so much particular individual film that will inspire me, but more how that film made me feel when I was a kid, that I feel like is most important. Um, because sometimes you revisit things when you're older and it's like, ah, that doesn't hold up quite the same. But I'll still remember how it made me feel, and that was probably the most important thing that I try to remember when making something. I think I gotta go. <laughs> Good to meet you. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that, Matt. Next up, we have Travis Willingham, voice of Superman Clark Kent. And you can hear right away, this guy was born to be the voice of Superman. I won't build this up too much because, you know... It's Superman. Take it away, Travis. Nice to see you guys. You too. Voice of Superman sounds like a lot of responsibility. Oh, man. Was there yeah. other like, um, animated Superman performance, voice performance that you looked to for inspiration? Or Boy. Kind of I mean, Jerry, I love Jerry O'Connell's stuff, but I mean, for me, Christopher Reeves' print from the Richard Donner movies in the 80s was like the, the stalwart one. I watched every single episode of Smallville. Yeah. I saw Tom Welling in the building earlier today. I was like, hey. <laughs> you know? I mean, he and I are around the same age anyway, but, um, you know, it's just, there's just a, to me, a very fatherly tone to Superman, yeah. you know, he's, you know, the, the DC Universe's version of, you know, Captain America, so, you know, to me, there's um, something to be seen from the best of us in that character, so I, I love the uh, opportunity to play a father, for the I think for the first time on, on film for him and, you know, for him and Lois. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Cool. Um, is that an aspect of the script that appealed to you, being a 
father to Jonathan Kent. A hundred percent. I mean, first they told us that you know my my good friend Troy Baker was going to be Batman. So for him to be Batman, me to be Superman, playing our favorites, that was already special enough. We were in sight unseen. But then they said it was Battle of the Super Sons. Jonathan Kent was going to be in it. Damian Wayne, their sons, and how their sons are going to come back and save them, even though that's you know not typically the way it goes. It's usually the, the parents trying to bail out the kids. Uh, so it was amazing in those scenes also to see the vulnerability of Superman, someone who has the world's responsibility on his shoulders, but then has to come down on a micro scale and just make sure that his own roof, his own house is in order too, and that they feel supported, listened to, and heard and seen. And I think that was really special just as a dad. Uh, of a son who's four and kind of putting that um, putting that aspect of it into the performance, right? I mean, being a, a large guy myself, my, my son is very small and he thinks I can do anything, but there are, there are some cases where dad can't do everything and sometimes it's just about listening and being there for your son. And so that was very special for us. Um, I guess I'll go again. Yeah. Um, so you, you, you hit on the vulnerability of, of Superman because that is something everyone talks about. Oh, Superman's this impossible character. He can't be hurt. But as a father myself as well, like we bring our kids into it, there's a vulnerability there that people just who aren't parents don't understand. Is that an important aspect to, to bring through in the character? Very much so. I mean, you, you kind of hit it, right? A lot of people, I've been a Superman fan my entire life. I've got a you know, 9.8 frame Death of Superman comic signed by Dan Jurgens in my room. Like, he's, he's my guy. Um, but a lot of the critiques are like, oh, he's not relatable. He can do anything. He's invulnerable. There's, you know, there's nothing that, there's nothing that strikes a chord there. But you put his son into the mix, right? Instantly, he's vulnerable. I mean, that's where you're... I heard, I heard somebody say this after our son had been born, that having a kid is like having your heart taken out of your chest, giving it legs, and it's running around on the floor, and all you can do is watch as it slams into things. And you're like, okay, I guess this is the ride now. So, you know, your, your walls and your protection come down. And I think that's so important, uh, not just um, not just as an actor, but also as a father. And I think for Superman as well to to understand. I mean, he does a great job of taking care of the people of the world, right? But you also have to take care of your son, and it's not just about protecting from outward things. It's listening to things that are happening inside as well. Yeah. In recent years, we've been seeing a lot of portrayals of Superman as a father with the Lois and Superman series that's going on, yeah. as well as this movie and the Super Son series. Why do you think we're seeing so much of that in media, and why is it so important? <laughs> yeah, it is a great question. I, you know, I think. I, I think any time you establish that fam family dynamic, you add another layer to the character. You know, we know, we've seen the story of how he discovers his powers, who he is young in life, how he has to hold back against anger as he's bullied in high school, what it's like moving into the big city. We know those stories, and they're they're really fun to watch as they're retold. But seeing him, you know, commit to Lois, establish a family, and then have a son where, again, there are no rules, right? You can try your best, but it's all going out the window. One of the best parenting, uh, some of the best parenting advice I ever got was keep your sense of humor because <laughs> it's all, it's all going to go wrong at some point. And so I think, you know, it's, it's funny just being able to watch them uh, and relatable being able to watch them handle everything that comes with the sun and the reintroduction of insecurities and through puberty and all those sorts of things. It's um, also one of the best quotes from the very first Superman movie, Marlon Brando saying, you know, the son becomes the father and the father becomes the son. There's that cycle that's completed when you have a, a kid. So I think it's just an important layer for Superman and also a great great opportunity to watch a man that has everything in terms of abilities and expectations um, you know come back to that starting point and start small again yeah. what can you say about the film sense of humor I mean you were just talking about sense of, like, yeah. the movie sense of humor I, I mean you know I love the dry <laughs> the dry deliveries of, yeah. of Batman right Troy Baker just yeah. absolutely crushing like the lack of <laughs> compassion as he's talking to David right. but also just the deadpan deliveries as he and Superman are going yeah. back and forth it's just Pitch Perfect. Plus, Jack and Jack crushed it. Yeah. I mean, their chemistry is fantastic. They both have these fantastic, charismatic, energetic reads that I think play both well for, for Jonathan, but also just the devious humor of Damien. It's so good. I'm such a Damien Wayne fan. It's it's not even funny. So I hope he doesn't, uh, I hope Bruce Wayne doesn't uh, recuperate or, or rehabilitate Damien too fast. That edge from, from Talia al Ghul is, it's a, it's a plus. Yeah. Yeah. How has like the dynamic between you and Laura, yeah. and then also wow. Superman and Lois, you know, having wow. the same relationship? Of course. How has that been? Like, do y'all ever like?
like critique each other. Oh well, I I don't re- re- I don't critique her too much because I like being alive, but. Uh, <laughs> And she, she, she really doesn't critique me, but it, it always makes a difference hearing her performance because we obviously know each other, you know, better than better than anyone. So I was interested to hear if there was uh, like a Lois Lane performance or a voice that she might be affecting or putting on. And it, it, it really wasn't. It was Laura. And so when uh, when I heard her, you know, um, delivering lines about our son or even making like cracks back at Clark, it changes the way I perform, right? Like the veneer comes down. Any semblance of Superman or Clark Kent goes away. I get on the defensive, you know, just like any husband would do to a wife that's, you know, coming after him. And uh, it was just, it was just great. It was also amazing hearing that soft side as we were both, you know, clearly thinking of our own son. And you know, I think it was just, uh, it was a real joy to be able to do that. Yeah. Okay, another one. Yes. Half an hour. Half an hour. That's it. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thank you for that, Travis. Next, we have up the interview I was most excited about. It's Jack Dylan Glazer. Most people are going to know him as Freddy from the 2019 Shazam movie, uh, but he is playing the voice of Jonathan Kent uh, in this adaption. And um, this is, it was a, such a great interview. I just wanted to point out it is so great to hear someone who's working in this industry, working with these characters who love it so much. He is definitely a DC fanboy and it just warms your heart to see people who love these uh, characters working on them. So without further ado, here is Jack Dylan Glazer. Razor, by the way, he missed it. How you doing, man? Doing well, thank you. We've been going first. Yes. I'll go first this time. Okay. So, just to say, I got to see Andrew first. Um, after the you was amazing. I just want to say thank you. Thank you. But how do you, how do you kind of translate acting on camera? to actually doing voice acting because I've heard from many who tra- like transition into voice acting that it's kind of tough would you say the same thing you have no I'd say it's so much easier it is you don't have to memorize your lines that's the best part you don't, you don't have to I mean there's, if there's any challenge that's like yeah to point out I guess it's that you don't have to use as much there's no physicality involved but I still do it I still do the things like in the room I'll be like, be like the character jumps off the thing I'll be like ugh ow I'll like, I'll like, I'll like punch myself in the arm. I'll, like, I'll do all the things. Um, but the best part is that you don't have to memorize your lines. Um, but I feel like also with live action, they're, they're, it's a whole different beast. Like it's, it's not. I wouldn't even really. Everything, everything I do is theatrics for me. So whether it's music. Yeah. It's always. I'm always. I'm unfortunately. <laughs> But also in a good way, I'm kind of always characteristic. I'm always kind of an archetype or whatever. Like whether it's in music or it's in skateboarding or whatever I do, I, I'm, I'm always bringing a, something more uh, a theatric to it. So, um, I don't know. Animation animation, and, and, and live action, I think, are uh, both extremely fun for me. But different. Yeah. So what about this script or the character of Jonathan Kent? Uh attracted you to the project? The word Superman and the word Batman and the word DC. Uh, I kind of want to tell you guys a little secret. I never read the script. And I'll tell you why. I'm not, I am a professional. I promise you that. But it's also... I, so I got, offer, I got offered this, this movie. And I was so floored with gratitude. I was over the moon. And I was like, I, I think so, yes. And, but they never sent a script. They just said, um, okay... Friday we'll do a we'll do a recording session. So like the week passed and I did a recording session and but they only did the my parts. Like we only recorded, you know, my parts. We didn't go through the parts that I wasn't in. So uh, I just I from this movie I just know the scenes that Jonathan Kent is in. So I'm really excited to see this movie today because I, I have oh, wow. I don't know what to expect. <laughs> yeah. that like jarring for you, I guess, because you've never really had an experience like that before. No, I'm actually more excited now because like I I mean I I'm glad I don't really know I mean I know the ending. I do know that part. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm really, I'm really thrilled. Yeah. It. yeah. Charger. Sure. Yeah. Wow. So were you a DC fan before you started all this? I was just telling those guys over there. Yeah. I'm, uh, it's, it's seriously every day or, or, or whenever I'm at these conventions or I'm doing something for, for DC, like whether it's Shazam or Shazam 2 or whatever it is, or this, um, 
I'm, I'm like, I'm, it's kind of surreal. Like, I'm, I'm trying not to, like, wake up from this crazy dream that I'm living. And I want, I try to pinch myself all the time because it's like, wow, man, this is like so, it's trippy. It's seriously trippy because I, I grew up idolizing the Justice League. My, like, the first, as soon as I popped out, man, my, my, my guy was Batman and Aquaman. Those are my two favorites. And, um, loved Batman. I followed every Batman mythos and everything. So I, I love Batman. And so I grew up, grew up, grew up uh, and w- loving and idolizing the DCEU and the Justice League. And then um, to know that I get to make a contribution in any way or, 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 or add to it or, or be involved in any capacity is like, it, like seriously makes my, my head want to explode. It's ridiculous. It's so crazy. Because so, I, I grew up, I mean, I'm a fan just like y'all. Like I, and so to be involved is seriously the craziest thing on earth. Do you read current comics? Like, do you keep up with current stuff? I, you know, if I'm working on a Shazam movie or something like that, I will. I'll read them every day. I, uh, but I haven't, I haven't read the newest Justice League or, or anything like that. Okay. But I, I, I know I, I should, I should. I've been distracted. <laughs> Busy guy. I guess so. <laughs> Why is Superboy important to the DC universe? This is a company that started off characters of children. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are the first child superheroes, Superboy, Robin, uh, Teen Titans. Why is Superboy important? Well, because there's, um, Superboy, Superboy's been around forever, but Superboy wasn't, hasn't always been Superman's son. Superboy has been other things. So Superboy being Jonathan Kent, I think was created in like 2014. Jim Lee was the illustrator and I loved that stuff by the way I read that stuff too and when Jonathan came in before that it was it was his name wasn't Jonathan it was something else like uh, you know what I'm talking about Connor Connor, Connor Kent yeah. yeah that's right it was Connor Kent and uh, I knew that too but Jonathan Kent is fairly new and I think I think I'm the first person to ever voice him at, in an animated feature so that I mean like dude like breaking ground that's like big shoes to fill but also I less pressure than if I had to uh, compare myself to somebody else doing it before, so it's kind of like I can start fresh. And if I if I end up playing this character forever, and they make more of these, then I'm over the moon. So when you were reading the source material itself on the way in there, were there little things that when you're reading it for yourself, you're like, I want to put this in here because that's what I heard in my head as I'm reading it. Oh yeah, oh totally. Well, I mean, but I mean, there's there's, there's it depends on the, honestly, it depends on the dynamic you have with the director, the relationship you have with the director, and if and if and luckily, uh, Matt like. We had a, a great repertoire where he put it. He he let I think a lot of the actors. I was talking to the others, the other cast members, um, about how it was with with him and, and the very brief sessions we would have. It was only two, I think, and um, and he put. It was a very short. I mean, very long leash. He gave us a lot of free reign to to express as we would, um, just given like you know intuition. So. Felt really, it felt really good. It felt very freeing, liberating. Yeah. So you mean like you got to improvise and stuff? I improvised a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I tend to do that a lot. I, I tend to. I tend to. Uh, yeah. Get lost. All right. You've been in Shazam. You're now Jonathan Kent. Is there any characters you haven't played from the DC universe that you want to? Thank you for the answer. Batman. I want to be Batman. I, I, I'm going to say this forever. If I'm not, if I'm not Indiana Jones or Batman by the time I die, I haven't lived. Sorry, I'm, I'm so ungrateful. No, I want to play Batman. I want, I want to play Batman. I'm going to kill it if I play Batman, I promise you guys. I would do so good. I'm kidding. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for that, Jack. Now up, last but definitely not least, is Laura Bailey, voice of Lois Lane. So, fun little fact, Travis and Laura are actually husband and wife in real life. And they get to play Lois and Clark in this movie. Um, of course, I'm sure you derived that already with uh, Travis's interview, but she expounds on that a little bit more in this interview. So without further ado, take it away, Laura. The voice of Lois Lane. What's up? Treat her well. Treat her well. We've been kind of like going on time. Do you guys want to go or... How was it going from even like anime uh, to movies and then circle back to animation? Like, how has that journey been? Like, you've been 
You're an OG in voice acting, right? So how has that journey been? You know, it's funny. I just realized earlier that I have been voice acting longer than Jack has been alive, which is what? <laughs> um, I mean, man, when I started voice acting, I would have never, ever, ever dreamed that I'd be playing Lois Lane in a, a Batman and Superman film. Like, what? And alongside my husband, what? It's just, uh, this project has, has, has been a fucking blast. Has been a blast. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I grew up with superheroes, so I, I don't know. How, how am I sitting here right now? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what's happening. So, we already asked your husband, what's it like working with him? It, it sucks. <laughs> it's just terrible. Every moment of it. Uh, no, it's awesome. We, we're just like jumping around just so excited and then back to Troy's like Batman, like what? Troy's one of our best friends as well, so it's just stupid. This is all dumb. Uh, yeah. And it's great because, you know, even though this is the, the pandemic and we all recorded separately, uh, to have those people who are very, very close to me in, in those roles, I, I could hear them in my head. Even before they had recorded, I knew what they were going to do. So, yeah, it's great. So did it ever feel like work or was it just all play? No, it's play. Yeah. Yeah, I w I'm trying to think of a moment that would have been hard or, or unhappy as we like were doing it. Like a hardship, yeah. No, it's a, a blast. Any? Uh, did you guys see the film yet? Am I on the screen? No, yeah, I haven't seen it. There's some really fun stuff. Um, <laughs> Travis and I watched it, yeah. Travis and I watched it a couple nights ago and there's this, like, lowest moment that Travis went, Ooh! Like, so, it's just fun. It's a lot of fun. So, would you say playing Lois, of course, you played so many different voices. You have to kind of, you have like texture with each one of them. Would you say Lois is more connected with you because, of course, you're playing alongside with your husband? And, of course, the story of actually like connecting a family element and teaching like your son and like right. raising your son, of course. Yeah, 100%. You know, to come at it from the perspective of motherhood. Um, I, I thought 10 years ago that I could play a mom. And I, I have. I've played a mom and other things. But to have a son now, it, it brings a whole different experience to it. And it comes from a different place. Um, and there is a line in the film where she looks at Clark and goes... We did good. And yeah, we did. When it comes to the role of Lois Lane, obviously the penultimate role is played by Margot Kidder. How much of her performance influenced you on your portrayal? I mean, she's she's my Lois, and she's always going to be in my brain as Lois. Um, and I know that version of her influenced Jeremy a lot in the writing as well. Uh, so, you know, she's she's a firecracker, and she's capable. Um, and so that was there, but I also was able to bring a lot of myself to it as well. You know, I always want to bring something new. You don't want to just lay down something that somebody else has already done. So Lois has always been described as the heart of Superman. And it's a very important role within the DC universe because, again, people always talk about how invulnerable Superman is, but it's the people that he loves that makes him vulnerable. Yeah. Um, do you feel that was portrayed well in this movie? And, and what was your approach to, to being Lois? Uh, it's so funny. You know, the Man of Steel, and she can still tell him what to do. <laughs> He's still scared of Lois. Uh, I think this movie shows another vulnerability for him, and, and seeing him as a father and her as a mother puts things into a different perspective for the two of them. Uh, there's a sweetness that Clark shows to John that I haven't seen in any any other iteration of Superman, and it's it's really special. <laughs> You're asking good questions. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so, gaming wise, like we never really got to, we got to see like different iterations of, of Lois. Would you love to see Lois like have some type of story art video game? What? That would be awesome. Oh my gosh, just like a Lois character in Injustice or something. <laughs> 
Yeah, it'd be awesome. I don't know what she would do in a battle against Batman, but there you go. That's true. She's tough. I don't know. She could. I mean, she could pull out some tricks. Superior intellect, you know. Yeah, right. She can outthink anybody. Yeah. To do Lois Lane, or are you asking people to play a character when you're going to project to projects? Are you asking for roles, or do they? Oh, they usually they usually would come to us to play them. Yeah, I'm sure I could ask if I could play things, but I don't know if people let me do it. I should give it a try, though. Oh, yeah, certainly. There's been you know projects that I have. Uh, not been able to do or didn't seem like the right fit uh, but this one specifically I, I jumped at the chance I was very very happy when they approached would you say because of this this family focus that the, the movie stakes feel very high because it's a family at stake yeah I just think um, God and I, I can't wait for you guys to see it the the relationship that you see between Damien and John like to see both of them grow within the movie is, is so important. Um, <laughs> yes, family sakes. <laughs> I know. Yeah, uh, it's it's tough. It's tough. I think the the, the premiere's right after this, right? Oh, are we are we leaving? Is this it? Are we going to get one? I think he's got one more. I think. Oh, we're done. We're done. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right. Well, that just about does it for this episode of Superhero Speak. Uh, I hope you had as much fun listening to it as I did uh, making it for you. And don't forget to go check out Batman and Superman Battle of the Super Sons, available wherever you get your media from. I also want to give a special shout out to all the uh, other reporters I was sitting with at the table. Unfortunately, I don't have all of their names except, of course, Peter Melnick. Um, so you haven't done so already if you're not already listening to the marvelist or geeky sheet go right now and listen to one of those great shows uh he is the co-host of both of them he uh it was great to talk to him at the show and if you are one of the other reporters uh please and you're listening to this tag yourself in the post or um, reply on uh, social media let me know so i can uh properly shout you out uh next time So on that note, as always, boys and girls, I want to say thank you for listening and don't let your cape get caught in the door. Have a good week.